you grateful this morning that your debt was paid on the cross? During this interim period, we want to focus on two things. The presence of God and the purpose of God. For it's when we dwell in His presence that His purpose is revealed to us. Have you found that to be true in your own life? When you dwell in His presence, when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He orders all the rest. So during this interim period, we want to focus on the presence of God. For when we dwell in His presence, it is then that He reveals to us His purpose. Today's message is entitled, Leftovers. Many of you probably have had a lot of leftovers the last several weeks. I'm going to share some of those with you in just a minute. But I want to have you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Did you bring your Bible with you today? If you did, hold it up. I want to see those Bibles. Very good. It seems like, and it may be just my imagination, but it seems to me like more of you are bringing your Bibles because you don't want to be the only one not holding up that Bible. (laughs) And it's great to see it. How many of you brought your electronic version of a Bible today? All right, I see those glowing screens. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The message is entitled, Leftovers. It seems like this has been a season for me of leftovers. I I enjoy leftovers. Uh, We started uh, with Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, I, I weighed 179 pounds. That's the lightest I've been in years. And when I hit 179 and got into the 170s, my goal is to get 175. That's the goal weight. That's what it says on my license. (laughs) And someday, 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 I'm going to be the weight that I claim to be. Well, since I reached 179, I thought, you know what, it's, it's the holidays, it's Thanksgiving. If I stay active and, and keep working out, I could probably eat whatever I want. So I gave myself permission just to really enjoy the holidays. Well, of course, we had family over and we had turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes. And I mean, my wife, she can cook. She is a great cook. Well, when they left, there was all this leftovers, the turkey, and we had bags of turkey. And then bags, big, you know, not just a little tiny bag, but a great big bag of, of uh, dressing. And I love dressing. You put dressing, and Ryan likes to take the dressing and the turkey and the gray, and put it all in a sandwich, and eat it as a sandwich. Well, I don't do that, but I eat a lot of turkey and dressing. So I did. I really enjoyed that. And then we had our, our staff Christmas party, and uh, 24 of our staff and their families came over to the house, and, and we had ham. And, you know, of course, you get ready for a party like that, and Debbie had bought a ham. And I said, Debbie, you think that's enough meat? And she said, yeah, I think it is. It's about a quarter pound per person. I said, but, Debbie, there's a bone in there. What if we run out of meat? She said, well, I think it's enough. So I went out and got another ham. <laughs> so we had two hams, and uh, Debbie makes these cheesy potatoes, and they are so good, you know, just full of cheese and oh, just unbelievable sour cream, and just so good. 
And we had a big crock pot full of these cheesy potatoes and, you know, mixed vegetables and all these desserts. So staff came over. We had a wonderful time together. Well, when they left, I had almost a whole ham left <laughs> stuffed into these great big, you know, 10-gallon bags. I don't know how big those bags are. but And for a week and a half, I ate ham. You know, it's protein, and protein's not going to hurt you, right? So I just keep eating the ham. And, of course, all of you, then, you know, you start bringing in your Christmas cookies and candies, and we get these little tins. And, and one of the candies was this chocolate, and it's kind of like, uh, oh, what are the, it's the hard Heath bars. I think the Lindsay's made it, and they painted it gold on top. And it's kind of a chocolate, oh, so good. And I ate several of those. And, and then, you know, the next week we had our Christmas staff. Party. I'm making you hungry, aren't I? <laughs> and uh, I mean, our, it wasn't our staff party, but it was the board Christmas dinner. And and I planned for 50 because if all their spouses come, we'd had 50 there. Well, there was about 32, 33 there, and I had high chicken for everyone. A whole half of a high, a whole half, a half of a high chicken for everybody was there. And then we had Debbie made her cheesy potatoes, and we had mixed vegetables, and then I bought several pies. So there was more pie than we possibly could eat, and so I ate three pieces. <laughs> and, of course, when everybody left, there was all this high chicken left. And so I had bags full of high chicken for the next several days. And, and you kept bringing in cookies and candies and food. And Ruth York, she brought in this great big tray of sticky buns, two of them, not just one, but two trays. of And they, had, they were covered with pecans. Just really, really, really sticky. And I ate half of one of those trays. (laughs) I love pecans and pecan pie and all that stuff and just enjoyed that. And somebody brought in a basket of fruit. And I ate a couple apples. (laughs) And bless you for the fruit. Well, Debbie makes these little Christmas cookies. You know, they're not little. They're about that big and and she puts icing on the top oh they're so good and and, you know then she has these nuts that are she bakes in the oven and they're sugar coated and and I ate she had two big containers full of those and I noticed last night all the containers were empty and I realized I probably ate the majority of those nuts that she made and and so I gave myself permission to really enjoy the leftovers and eat through the holiday season. And this morning when I got on the scales, guess what? I didn't weigh 179. My grand total is 188. Yeah. Nine pounds. Nine pounds. No, I'm not too worried. I know that I can get in the gym this week and swim a little extra and work out a little harder and over... The next month, I'll probably get back down to maybe 182. <laughs> then I'll have to start working at it again. Well, we love our leftovers, and we love our food. But I'm afraid that far too often, when it comes to our faith, that God gets our leftovers. That our life is so busy with the things of time that we forget about the things of eternity. And if we're not careful, even though we love God, even though we want him to be first in our lives, he gets the leftovers. Francis Chan writes this, 
you passionately love Jesus, but you really don't want to be like him. You admire his humility, but you don't but you do not but you don't want that to be but you don't want to be that humble. You admire his humility, but you don't want to be that humble. You think it is beautiful that he washed the feet of the disciples, but that's not exactly the direction your life is headed. You're thankful that he was spat upon and abused, but you would never let that happen to you. You praise him for loving you enough to suffer during his whole life and his time here on earth. But you're going to do everything within your power to make sure you enjoy your time down here. In short, you think he's a great savior, but not necessarily a great role model. The American church, he goes on to say, has abandoned the most simple and obvious truth of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You actually follow Jesus. You follow his patterns of life. I'm afraid that far too often that describes us. Not because we do not desire to love God. and Not because we're not grateful for his grace and his mercy in our lives. But because we're so busy. We're so busy with the things of time that we exclude, not intentionally, but we exclude the things of eternity. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, God gets pushed to the side. On this first Sunday of a new year, we have a simple scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Nick and Erica, when I performed your wedding, I quoted this verse. It's foundational to your faith. Seek first the kingdom of God. In all your actions and all your thoughts and all your attitudes of life, Seek God first in all things. Is God first? Is he first and foremost in your life? Is he the primary focus of your life? It's real simple. And yet we often, because of the business of our lives, we fail to ignore this great truth, to seek first. This jar represents the things that we we fill our daily lives with. It's empty right now. For most of us, we go to work or we go to school. Some of you are retired, but if you work or go to school, you probably spend 40 or 50 hours a week, a considerable amount of your time, just going to work and and to school, studying and preparing for the next exam or the next test or, or working on a project. And you spend a lot of your time in preparation and going to work or school. And, of course, there's, you have to get up and prepare for your day, and so there's all these personal things that are involved in your life. And, you know, you, you get up in the morning, you take a shower, and, of course, that takes a little bit of time. And if you're a guy, you know, it might take 15, 20 minutes. If you're a college guy, it might take 40 minutes. You know, if you're a young lady, it may take longer. I don't know. I don't know how long you take in the shower, but for some of you it takes a little longer than others. Some of you are quick in and quick out. Then you get out and you go to the sink and you brush your teeth. And, you know, that takes a little bit of time every day. And you brush your teeth. And, 
and then you floss. You don't really floss, do you? <laughs> Let's just real be honest, real right here. How many of you? How many of you floss every day? Every day, every day. Oh, come on, really? Now I floss, but it'll be this Monday because I'm going to the dentist on Tuesday. So, so that counts for something, I'm sure. <laughs> then, of course, you know, some of us, we like to exercise. Some of you may exercise just a little tiny bit. And if you're like me, you like to exercise a lot. For me, exercise is a part of my mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Uh, it's when I exercise that uh, a lot of times the Lord will speak to me. Matter of fact, I feel at times that maybe I'm rude. You know, I go into the gym and I'm focused on working out, and I'm just as happy if nobody talks to me. And I think, you know, that's not a very godly witness. <laughs> but sometimes it's in in the midst of running or in the midst of riding my bike, in the midst of working out, that God really gets a hold of me. Uh, sometimes it's walking out in the woods uh, down here at the river uh, that I have these incredible conversations with God. And I don't do it in the wintertime. I find other places. I'll go to the prayer room for that. But finding that place where God is a priority, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But uh, for many of us, you know, we might exercise. And, of course, there's the household chores that, that we have to do. You know, somebody has to buy the food for the house, and, you know, that takes a little bit of time. Then somebody has to fix the food for the meal. Then somebody has to clean up after the meal, and somebody has to you know, put the dishes away. And, and, you know, it all takes a little bit of time to do those things. And, of course, there's the vacuuming of the house and, and I told Debbie, after I finished my doctorate, you know, honey, I'm going to be a better husband. And, and I'm going to start helping you with cleaning the house. And so I picked up a few of those chores, and I vacuumed the house on a regular basis. And, you know, I wash, clean the toilet, and then I do the floors, and, and then, then she dusts. Because, you know, I just really kind of refuse to dust. I just, I don't know, I just, I, I guess if, if I had to, I could, but I'd rather somebody else dust. And so she said, if you'll do those things, I'll dust. So so it works out great for us, and she dusts. And then, you know, somebody's got to balance the checkbook, and for many years she's done that. Now we do it together, and it's really been kind of exciting. Can you believe that? <laughs> we put together a system, and it's actually fun. We figured out a way to do this in a very short period of time, and and it's really kind of enjoyable. We get together. We know where we're headed financially every two weeks. And, and uh, it's, it really is a blessing uh, just because we're doing this together. Now, I never would have dreamed that that would have been a blessing because I never wanted anything to do with the busyness of writing all those checks and doing all that stuff. But sometimes, you know, the Lord just kind of changes you in a little bit. And so it takes time to do that. And, there's, of course, there's the... You know, just the busyness of, of the chores of the house. You've got, you know, mowing the yard. That takes a little bit of time. You've got pulling weeds. That takes a little bit of time. Trimming the bushes, putting up the Christmas decorations, tearing down the Christmas decorations. You know, all that stuff. It just, it just takes time out of your life. And, of course, there are social obligations. You know, you have Christmas parties to go to, and you've got to decide, you know, what family do you go to? Do you go to his, her family? Do you go to your family? 
Uh, you go to her family on Thanksgiving and her, his family on Christmas, all those issues. All that takes up time. You have these social obligations that you're involved in. Of course, there's New Year's Eve parties and there's birthday parties. and You've got to buy gifts and cards and presents for each one of these occasions. And then, of course, there's weddings and funerals to attend. And, and if, you're, if you're single, you're, you're probably dating. And, you know, dating takes time. And, you know, dating is never easy. And I don't really look back at those times as being fond. Uh, I was kind of glad when I settled on, you know, one girl and <laughs> married the right one. And, and the Lord kind of guided, guided me and all that. Don't read into that more than there's there. <laughs> yeah. just, just by curiosity, how many of you are parents in the room that have children at home? How many of you are parents in the room that have children at home? Well, just tell me when to stop. <laughs> you know, raising children takes a lot of time. It really does, doesn't it? It's just a large investment of your life. You know, you, you plan for them, and you, they have their social obligations, and, you know, so you try to get them to, you know, their practice. You know, if they're a musician, then they've got to practice an hour a week, and that takes time. And then, of course, if... Uh, your child's in sports, then you've got to get them to sports. And, you know, if they're involved in some type of club. And, of course, then they have their friends. You know, can I stay over at Johnny's house? This, all that social stuff. It just takes a lot of time. And, then of course, there's the maintaining of stuff. You know, if you have a car, you know, it takes a while just to maintain that car. And, you know, make sure it's got oil in it and that it's running properly and the tires are balanced. And, you know, when you... Stop at a stoplight. Every time you're in a car, you spend, I think it's six months of your life at a stoplight. It takes time, all these things. And, of course, you know, then you've got the maintenance. You know, if you're me, it's this overwhelming stuff of this building, you know, roast the leak and, and all those kinds of things. You know, just kind of <laughs> suck the energy out of you and take up all your time. Maintain the stuff of life, the carpets that need to be repaired and paint. And before you know it, you know, your life is really filled up with stuff. You know, you've got a lot of things going on in your life. And, and it really kind of paints a picture of what life is like for those of us who live in this country. We're busy. Um, then you have the extra stuff. I ran out, of, ran out of rice, but the extra stuff that comes along, you know, like sickness in your home. And uh, that takes time, uh, change of life and transition. You have the extra stuff that comes along that you just didn't plan on. Your life is completely different than you dreamed. And I'm making these adjustments because I lost a spouse or a loved one. And before you know it, your life is filled with good things. But if we're not careful... All these unplanned things crowd out that which is most important. Let's just be honest. Most of the stuff that consists of our lives has very little to do with eternity. We get so busy with our schedules, becoming the person that so busy with our schedules that we fail to become 
the person that God has created us to be. So this morning, I want to encourage you with this simple scripture on this first Sunday of a new year to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm not sure why it's so late. I'm not sure I've been that long, but uh, stay with me, will you? We'll go through, hurry through the rest of this. I want to encourage you. I've got some tennis balls here, and these tennis balls represent priorities. It's very similar to the basics. Bible study, accountability, service, intercession, and community. Uh, the first thing I want to talk to you about is time with God. I want to encourage you to make time for God. And I'm going to put a big T right here. A big T for time with God. It's important that you take time in this coming year for God. You see, Jesus has modeled this for us himself. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, before Jesus launched his ministry, he went to a solitary place to pray. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Luke chapter, I want to, in, Mark, in Mark chapter 1, uh, just after Jesus was baptized, uh, he, and before he began his ministry, he is sent by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there for, th- for 40 days and 40 nights he prays and he fasts. He's tempted and yet without sin. And then in Mark 1.35, we find him once again as he launches his ministry going to a solitary place. Then in Luke chapter 6, uh, before choosing the 12 disciples, Jesus gets away, goes to the mountainside, and he spends the night praying, seeking God's direction. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them. Then after he heard the news of John the Baptist being beheaded in Matthew chapter 14, we once again find Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place. It says in the scriptures, hearing hearing this, the crowd followed him on foot from the town. Even though Jesus pulled himself away and went to be alone, the crowd followed him. And Jesus took compassion on them and, and he healed them and cared for them and taught them and ministered to those that were there. The disciples said, hey, it's getting late in the evening and, and we have nothing to feed them. And, of course, this is a story where Jesus feeds the, the 5,000. And so the 5,000 are fed and then Jesus dismisses those that were there. And the scripture tells us in, in uh, Matthew fourteen twenty three that after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. All through his life, we see this pattern of Christ getting away. Times of solitude for prayer. Even up to the time of the garden the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed this prayer, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. 
Psalms 46.10 says this. It says to be still and know that I'm God. I, I don't know what spending time with God looks like for you. It's different for all people. Some people, you know, they like to journal. And, you know, that helps them, as they journal, it helps them in their spiritual journey. And it's a great tool for them in, you know, in that Bible study, in that accountability, in that intercession time. Journaling is a way that they enter into the presence of God. Well, for me, I stink at journaling. I, mean, I, just, I just don't like to write that much. And so it's not my way of doing it. The key is to be still. And to know that he is God. It's not about how you do it. It's about doing it. And allow, allowing God to lead you in this process of, of spending time with God. So one of these basic tools of seeking first the kingdom of God is to spend time with God. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is community. Uh, also, by the way, for spending time with God... There might be some tools that you can tap into. We Every year we get these uh, Olivet uh, Through the Word, reading through the Bible in a year, uh, little bookmarks. You can get those. And I don't think they've arrived yet, but we've ordered them. Um, we have 200 of those that are available to you. You might be a person that is an auditory learner, and, and you can learn simply by listening to the Scripture. Uh, this is a series that I like, The Bible Experience, and I can listen in an hour ride to, to, uh, to quite a bit of Scripture. And it's just an enjoyable way for me to enter into that Scripture as I study the Word. I don't know exactly how you do that, but you need to do it. And you need to start today making time for God every day. You need to make that a priority as you seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness. The second one that I want to mention is community. And I'm going to put a C on this ball for community. And um, I don't know if you can see that or not, but there's a C there. You know, we have a responsibility as followers of Christ to invest in one another. See, I, I consider it a great privilege to be one of your pastors. Because... Community is so important to the body of Christ. Um, for some of you, that's not easy, community. It's, you're, you like to be alone. It's more natural for you just to sp- spend time alone with the Lord, and, and it's harder for you to really be involved in community. And yet the great commandment is what? To love the Lord and our neighbors ourselves. And so we have this responsibility as followers of Christ to be engaged in community, to strategically carve out time to invest in those around us. And if you're married, you have a responsibility to do all that you can to build your spouse up, to encourage her, to invest in her life, to help him become all that God has created him to be. Community. And your family. To encourage those children and those grandchildren in your life. Your parents in your life. When I first became a Christian, um, uh, I was the first in my family. I kind of grew up in a Christian home, but my parents had gotten away from the Lord. And I had this 
became a Christian and my parents didn't go to church. And I felt very keenly that my responsibility was to be a godly witness to my family in those days. You see, we have a responsibility to our community. And that community sometimes is also, and also includes the body of Christ, the church. And so it might be in small groups, Sunday school. It might be a prayer group on, on a Tuesday morning for a men's prayer time or a ladies' Bible study. But you need to be investing in a community. Or you need to be involved in a community. The third thing that I want to highlight this morning on Hebrews Hebrews. 10.24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The third one is to serve. Serve with passion. Many of you over the years have been on mission trips with me or with Dave and Len. And you know what it's like to go on a mission trip and serve. There's something about serving that it just, I don't know, it just seems so right. We're going to skip down to the scripture in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 10, where it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why, why is serving so, we find such joy in serving? It's because of what we were created to do. We were created to serve one another. There's something rewarding about denying self and serving one another. We need to serve. The last one, we're going to put a question mark on. And the reason I'm putting a question mark on is because it's kind of a homework assignment for you. What is missing? What is missing that you need to add into your life this year? Is it Bible study? Is it prayer? Is it giving of your tithe? Is it solitude? You see, all these things are important to putting God first. Tithing is one of those things where it's our way of expressing our love. It's our way of saying, God, you're first in all things. When we put God first in all things, he orders our ways. He, he directs our paths. And when God is first in service, in community, and in time, and we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Pretty much all these things. <laughs> Dallas Willard wrote this. What a child does when not told what to do is the final indicator of what or who the child is. Now listen to that again. What a child does when not told what to do is the final indicator of what and who the child is. Are you a child of the king? Does your life seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Is he first and foremost 
in your life. The beginning of this new season. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Let's go from this place seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to trust him for all the rest. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you for your godly example to us, just how you spent time with the Father. Help us, Lord, this year to spend time with you. Help us to recognize, Lord, the the significance of community, how we need one another. Everyone in this room, those that are not here today, all are part of your family, the kingdom of God. And we have a responsibility to one another, Lord, and help us to love even when when we desire not to love, but help us to love anyway. Help us, Lord, to be Christ to one another. Help us to serve. I think of Dave and Lynn and, and, and Sue Jones and those involved in, in the missionary council and all that help us in so many ways to serve one another. This year, Lord, help us not just to serve on the mission field, although that's important and, and the Haiti trip is a great opportunity But help us, Lord, just to daily serve. As followers of Christ, Lord, help us to serve those that we work with. Help us to model Christ in our schools, in our home. Help us to serve. For some, Lord, there's this big question mark, and and you're already speaking to them about that thing. It may be, Spending more time in intercessory prayer. It may be spending more time in the Word. It may be beginning to tithe and trusting you for all the rest. But Lord, would you just guide us as we seek your face in 2012. And we ask this in your wonderful name. Amen.